Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Paychecks, the podcast that explores different careers so you can find your dream job. I'm Ashley, and on today's episode, your host Peter dives into the world of a pre-system sales engineer with our guest, Simon. Simon gives us the inside scoop on his daily grind, demoing and positioning complex tech. So whether you're a seasoned professional wanting to get into the field or just curious, you're in for a treat. Get ready to be inspired, informed, and entertained as we embark on another episode of Beyond the Paychecks. Hello. What's up, Simon? What's going on? Hey, Peter. I'm doing all right. Thank you for asking. How are you doing? I'm good. I mean, what you been up to these days? I know you're my roommate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, trying to be successful in my career, uh, trying to find love in life and uh, trying to travel and, you know, see places and whatnot. I recently went to Vegas for a belated birthday event, so... Oh, did you really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I went was Steven with there? Yeah, I went with Steven. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really good time. It was a good oh, time. nice. Okay, that's, that sounds fun. I mean, you, you go to Vegas a lot for work and stuff too, right? Uh, I used to go periodically for work. Not anymore. Um, uh, my role right now doesn't have me traveling all that much, but um, I, I used to travel uh, you know, from time to time. I like going to Vegas periodically, you know, every year, every other year or so, because there's a lot of really fun stuff to do there between trying to get rooms. lit, <laughs> not, not, not lit, not lit. I'm, I'm not that type of like party person, but I do love the shows and the food. I think there's a lot of really good food uh, centralized in, in Vegas. That's really, really high quality. And I, I love the shows there. I love magic shows in general. So um, well, this most recent trip, I went to go see Shin Lim and I have never seen sleight of hand anything anything quite like what what they were showing off uh, in that show so i quite oh, really that's cool i mean i wonder how they got started like uh, so he was it? he won uh, 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 i think it was i think the show is called america's got talent and everything and uh, oh shoot yeah so a lot of the a lot of the shows in uh, vegas especially pertaining to magic has a lot of history and rooted in uh, in those celebrity talent shows and and, and whatnot um so that's that's how Shen oh. sort of got his notoriety and everything. <clears throat> Interesting. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, we could talk about Vegas, but let's talk about sure actual or I mean, I guess work stuff. Let's talk but, about um, professional career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Um, because that helped make you know, money, not the grind. Money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I know kind of what you did. I, I did some research, but like you are a systems engineer. Yes. Um, what, so uh, I don't want to really know, I, I do want to know what you do, but like, I want to know like, what problem do you solve? So basically why do organizations hire you and what problem do you solve? Sure. So my profession is one of many in, uh, the technology industry space. I'm a pre-sales, uh, uh, systems engineer. What that, what they really do is they work along sales reps, you know, professionally that they're usually called account managers or account executives. Um, I work side by side alongside them when we reach out to businesses or businesses reach out to us and they usually have a problem that they're trying to solve and our solutions are ultimately, you know, uh, the, the pr uh, products that they purchase in order to solve their problems. Um, oftentimes there's a lot of things out there that a customer could theoretically purchase. They can purchase from our company. They could purchase from our competitors. And it's my job as a, as a systems engineer to demonstrate the technical, cap technical capabilities of the solutions that are within our portfolio 
whether through demonstrations, being able to talk through them, not only that, but be also being able to architect the right type of solution because, uh, you know, different organizations have different type of requirements. So being able to size and understand the technical requirements that the customers have, not only from a problem standpoint, from the, from the sheer quant quantitative number standpoint, understanding what their needs are and being able to provide the, the right solution for them. And this can be just a singular product or a combination of products. So, so I see a lot of it is, you know, me having a conversation with the customer consult, understanding their needs, their problems, and then using my knowledge, being able to effectively communicate how our solutions are going to help those needs and then providing them, you know, a, 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 ultimately a, a solution that they could theoretically purchase to solve that problem. Okay. So let's use an example. Sure. So like, let's say, let's say I am like a restaurant mm -hmm. and then I need, I go to you for what? So my, okay. my, my specific focus is around cybersecurity. So I, I think in the current day and age, there's a lot more threats that are going on from this in the, uh, in the, in the cyber world than there probably is in the real world. So much like how a real world brick and mortar store might maybe put locks in place in front of their restaurant. Maybe if you're in not so great neighborhood, you'll see those metal bars in front of windows and everything. Uh, you might protect the physical location itself. We are focused on protecting the cyberspace itself. And it's really important because back in the olden days, we used to have a lot of important documents and things hidden in a way in a filer and or in a drawer or anything like that, right? Nowadays, that's not really the case. We're usually storing them in computers or servers, and we need to be able to protect against the entry to those uh, applications and resources. So I'm, I'm recommending solutions that ultimately help protect against uh, those digital assets using, using cybersecurity solutions. I see. So these like solutions you're saying... Are they like hardware or software? So or they can't be hardware. And, you know, not everything can be software. You know, virtualization makes it so that you can virtualize a, a hardware component. So they're they're purely virtual and it's an application running on a virtualized host. But most of the times, you know, sometimes the best security is things you can actually lock down from a hardware standpoint. So, uh, you know, the company I work for, we sell a wide variety of security solutions ranging from a firewall uh, which most people probably traditionally think of a digital firewall on a particular computer. We're talking about, you know, large enterprise-grade firewall solutions. We're talking about professional uh, enterprise professional-grade um, endpoint protection solutions to protect the various devices that an end user may be uh, working with on a day-to-day -day basis, whether that's a cell phone or a laptop or a desktop. Um, so there's a wide, and there's only a few of the things that, you know, we sell within our specific portfolio. Um, uh, cybersecurity is, is a necessity in every uh, facet of an organization. And there's a lot of uh, what we call um, attack surface that a bad actor could theoretically, you know, manipulate to, to their advantage. And we try to cover much of that attack surface with our solutions. Okay. So like if, essentially, if a, if a business are needing these like cybersecurity measures. Like they're like afraid they don't have it today and you come in and like help them set all this up. So like, I don't physically go in and help set that up. We usually have professional services that go and do that. My job is, you know, I'm the first really point of contact from a technical perspective, whether, you know, that those types of businesses reach out to us proactively or we just happen to uh, uh, converse with them because uh, the sales rep uh, pro uh, proactively reached out to them. 
ultimately I'm brought in and trying to understand the needs around those specific businesses. So oftentimes they may have a solution already in place, but the solution that they're currently utilizing is not good enough. So, so one of the things that we talk about is the efficacy of the, of, of the solutions that are in place. Um, there are various quality uh, uh, that you could, there's various quality solutions that you could theoretically get in the market. A good example is we don't really compare a Toyota, uh, Toyota Camry uh, to a Mercedes um, S-Class or, or an E-Class or a C-Class or anything like that, right? Those are two completely different quality uh, cars uh, that are currently out in the market. Much like that, our solutions are also uh, graded differently. And, and it's my job to ultimately understand, you know, what solutions that the customers are using from an efficacy standpoint and how our solutions are going to be better than what they're currently using today. I see. Okay, that makes sense. That's pretty interesting, actually. Um so like not everybody has a one solution that fits all. Every every client is different. Yeah, like, every every client that. is different. You know, I talked with some org businesses and they're not using firewalls altogether. And it's sort of crazy to think about. Like how how are you as a business responsible for your clientele's data and information and protecting it, not have that type of basic security solution in place. Um, security is really but is is heavily limited by the amount of budget that's, uh, you know, provided to the IT team. Um, I, I, the more security solutions you have, you, uh, you have in place, the better protected those businesses are, but not every business has every security, uh, every uh, security solution that's out in the market to protect that organization. And that's why you, sometimes you see on the news, uh, these types of large enterprise, uh, enterprise businesses uh, getting hacked or fished or, you know, being susceptible to ransomware. I think there was a few years back where even Home Depot didn't have a security under lockdown and then they, they had an intrusion in place where data was ultimately leaked and stolen. So, you know, it, it, it's a fine balancing act in regards to how much money should an organization invest into security where they, they can mitigate as much damage as possible um, and lower the probability of being attacked or, or penetrated. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um... So really this role, you kind of need to know like all the different types of hardware and software. You got to like be a specialist and then like, you got to know what those things do. Yeah. Right? I mean, I definitely didn't know a lot of the solutions that exist in the cybersecurity realm before uh, 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 um, uh, at the very beginning, right? These are things that you ultimately pick up whether through training, certification, osmo like just secondhand osmosis of information. Um, you, you learn things over time. And as you start learning these things, you start hearing problems that, you know, businesses are facing and you start putting two and two together on, oh, okay, this is the solution that will ultimately address this particular need that the customer is ultimately having. Right. So, so understanding and delineating uh, 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 and, and parsing through the various types of information that you're ultimately being fed is, is really important, but you definitely need to start somewhere and, you know, Everyone starts from not knowing something and eventually over a period of time learning, you know, uh, get, getting to be a, an expert of varying degrees by the end. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah I guess we could, then we can talk about like, how'd you get started then? Like, do, we, you, do you need like a college degree? Like, can you go do this at like high school? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, so how, this how, actually, really... actually, you could talk about how, how, like, you could talk about how you kind of get started. Yeah, so this here. is actually a really interesting question. Um, definitely a systems engineer or pre-sales engineer, I would even say salesperson, is not a, a career or a job you train for or you're really wary of when you are in college or in high school or anything like that. Um, 
I found out very quickly after graduating college and working that the types of jobs that people commonly are aware of while you're in college is a fraction of the various types of jobs that are actually out in the world today. Um, the way I got into uh, uh, the, the raw men is actually I started from a sales career. Um, I was just looking for a job to pay bills and making sure I'm not going poor or anything like that. And also disappointing my parents as is my heritage. Um, so I, I, I'm looking for any type of job. And I think, I think most people resort and end up defaulting to sales because sales is a very hard and rigorous job. It requires a lot of grit, tenacity, and patience. Um, so it, it's a job where, you know, organizations are constantly looking to hire uh, really, really hungry individuals that are really wanting to make money and things. And for me, you know, I sort of fit the bill. So I actually started out from a sale, uh, 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 from a sales role. Uh, the, the organization I was with, we were responsible for, for selling uh, technology solutions. It wasn't specifically in regards to security, but it was just general technology. So we're talking about servers. We're talking about network switches. We're talking about firewalls, storage arrays. You know the entire gambit of the enterprise technology uh, 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 solution set. So I started out as a sales role, and as I got into it, I learned that within an organization that is responsible ultimately for selling these solutions to businesses, there's actually various types of roles beyond just sales. And one of them that really stood out to me was this pre-sales systems engineer role, where you're 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 not quite sales. But you're also uh, responsible for having a really, you know, um, eloquent and comprehensive technological conversations uh, with IT personnel uh, uh, on a day-to-day basis. It, it's a, it requires a lot of problem solving, which I love, um, interacting with various types of individuals. So it, it was one where over a period of time, I, I understood more about what that role had to offer and it's something that ultimately I decided to pursue and. Eventually, I you know talked to my bosses and everything, and letting them knowing that this this was a career path that I was ultimately really excited about, and I would like their support and you know help helping me guide my way to that path. And eventually, obviously, I made uh, my way through that direction, and you know here I am today. I see. So, like, essentially, you didn't have a job; just <laughs> took like an entry level job. Sure. Yep. And just and just like, oh yeah, I like this. This is cool. And then you kind of like went up your career path this way, yeah. essentially. I mean, and I would also say sales was something that, you know, I, I didn't think I would be good at or I would enjoy, right? But I went in with the mindset that I, w- I do want to be good at this because I'm currently in this job at the moment. And luckily, you know, I was, I was in an organization where uh, the company was growing. Uh, so which means that there was tons of opportunities being open, um, which you know, helped accelerate my growth. It helped accelerate my career. Um, I really enjoyed understanding sort of these large organizations that have tons of different roles, tons of different part moving parts. And you sort of had the option to choose what career path you ultimately wanted to undertake really, even though sales was really uh, the stepping stone for things. I see. Okay, cool. That's so really, so that means you, it looks like you need a lot of credentials then for this. Like, <laughs> not really <laughs> to be honest with you uh, i think they i think most organizations require you to just have a beating heart and a college degree to be perfectly honest with you uh for your entry level not not your current role not oh yes uh, not not my current role for the for the entry role for the sure for the sales role 
My current role requires definitely a lot more uh, credentials, usually in the form of certifications or uh, uh, firsthand experience or knowledge. For me, it was a combination of a lot of those things. Um, I, I had the ability to demonstrate uh, product presentations really, really well, speak well, be, be well-spoken, being able to relate to individuals. You know, the best part about my job is talking to people and you're not going to make a really good impression or sell them anything if they don't like you at the end of the day. So being able to have really good social and personal skills is really, really important. So when you're going through the interview process, those are the type of things that that's looking for. But definitely, if you want to be considered from the very beginning, having some sort of credentials, whether that's th those are awards or certifications in the field that you're trying to you know, dive into, it's really important. Okay, cool, cool. So, so how much does it cost then? Let's say, let's say I'm trying to get start get started and be a systems engineer. Sure. Do I have to go to undergrad? Uh, and does it matter where I go and how much does it cost? Like what? Not really, to be honest with you. So you know, uh, there's you know, there's systems. I'm just one of many different types of systems engineers. There are network systems admin uh, uh, engineers. There are uh, uh, there are going to be storage engineers. There's going to be email engineers. There's, there's a wide variety of roles. I focus primarily on cybersecurity. So sort of to answer your question is in regards to cybersecurity, you definitely want to understand sort of the baseline certification that helps develop an understanding of the cybersecurity world and being able to demonstrate that whenever you're going through the interview process. I think CompTIA is a really great place to start. You can get the Security Plus certification. And that'll give you a really good foundational and fundamental understanding of where cybersecurity is today. You definitely don't need to go to college in order to do these things. Uh, I, I would actually say that more oftentimes than not, uh, when you're looking into getting to my type of roles, we're either hiring for more competitors who already uh, uh, other competitors who have uh, engineering experience like myself already, or we're looking for uh, administrators that are actually working. Uh, uh, with these solutions on a day-to-day -day basis. So these people either, you know, work their way up through help desk and are doing more complex ad administrative roles uh, for their business in regards to cybersecurity. And because they have that understanding through hands-on experience, they're able to translate some of those skill sets over to uh, my role currently. Obviously, they need to learn some sales skill sets, but because they have the technology background and everything, it's, it's going to be easier to train them up to be really good, you know, pre-sales uh, engineers at the end of the day. I see. So it's like you don't like go to school and like have a degree for pre-sales engineering. You definitely don't. Kind of and I would actually say there's definitely a tons of jobs out there. You know, my, my job included where you don't necessarily need to go to college in order to do it. I, I would say, and you know, I'm not, I don't mean to say this to say you don't need to go to college or you, sh you shouldn't go to college. There's a lot of benefits going to college. I think the most common misconception is that you go to college because uh, it's going to get you a job. And the reality is that college is not the only way to get a job. College is an avenue in which it, make, might, it might make it easier for you to get a job. And certain doors are definitely open to you um, uh, if you go to college. But more often than not, you're able to really land a really good job by starting somewhere, learning the trade, and get uh, and then getting into much more advanced and higher paying roles, you can also go to trade school, and you also have the ability to just, you know, figure things out 
and and uh, and, and sort of apply yourself and uh, apply to to the roles and, and get it. One really benefit of I think going to college specifically is that you have the ability to build relationships, um, network, uh, so that you have the ability to hit those individuals up later on down the line. Hopefully, they remember you and you made much of you know, made a good impression that they'll vouch for you uh, uh, if openings uh, uh, show up at maybe their organization. And I would actually say in the technology space, especially in, in our realm uh, specifically, social networking is a really big part of it where if you have a friend that's working at another company, it's going to be much easier for you to get the job because it's you're going to be able to skip through some hoops uh, through yeah. that process. Yeah, that's what I've noticed. Like I have, I have a coworker. <clears throat> Uh, if, if you want to refer me, I can just get to the top of the line, you know, instead of sorting through all <laughs> through resumes, like a thousand resumes. I swear, like I saw, I'm not really applying right now, but before I was looking at LinkedIn, like there was a job posting like for my role and there was a thousand yeah. applicants. Like, how do you like sort through that? It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> I, mean, I think the best way to do it is you know, one of the nice things about LinkedIn is it lets you know if any of your connections work at that company. The best thing to do is to let the uh, let that person that hopefully you know relatively well uh, give you additional information about the roles to see maybe they can directly introduce you to the hiring manager. Maybe they can, you know, put in a good word about you to the hiring manager. And that makes a loads difference because you're really skipping through a lot of steps. You're cutting. Uh, you're standing out from. I don't want to call them the chat, but you're you're standing out from the crowd in, in that in that scenario, uh, which makes it a lot easier. Now, hopefully, you don't bomb that process and ruin uh, your your your, uh, uh, your reference uh, 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 credentials. But I, I do think that that's one way for you to be able to really uh, get a job much easier. I see. Okay, cool. So this is a bigger question. A lot of people have been asking is. What's the starting salary for a system engineer? And like, what do you, what are you looking sure. at when you have like 10 plus years of experience? You don't, we don't, you don't have to say yours, but sure. just like. So it, it actually, so it's actually a quite a, a large range. Um, if you're really starting out as a, a junior pre-sales engineer, you're probably looking at somewhere between, you know, 50 to $60,000 really. If you're starting out, I would say. But as you get more tenured and as you grow, depending on which business segment you're 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 working with, uh, because the size of the customers and businesses that you work with really dictate your 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 value and the uh, uh, the amount of uh, um, uh, the amount of money you're bringing in for the, for for the business. That's going to help you really determine what your your impact is going to be to the organization, which directly correlates to your pay, right? So for engineers that work with really large enterprise companies, you know, you, you can make four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars and that's that's a lot of money, right? Um, so it, 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 the sort of the sky's the limit how much ambition you have and everything, but you can you can make six figures uh, uh, quite easily. One of my career goals and I, you know, I I won't necessarily share if I hit it or didn't hit it. Um one of my career goals um coming out of college is I would like to make a hundred thousand before, before I hit 30. And back in the day, that was a lot of money. I mean, it's still sort of a lot of money now, but <laughs> that back is, in the day, that was, that was a lot of money before inflation and everything like that. Right. Uh, that was one of my goals. And I know that several people uh, that hit that goal well before, you know, uh, 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 that age. So it's definitely possible. 
if you put yourself, uh, if you apply yourself, uh, put yourself in a situation where you really are differentiated amongst your peers uh, to make good money. And I would also say it's stable money at the end of the day, right? I think I care, I care a lot about stability. I do not like high fluctuations in pain or anything. Obviously, I work in a sales organization, so there will be some fluctuations and variations. But for the most part, there's a stability to the income I have, and that puts my mind at ease. So it's like a base salary, and then a bonus, there's like a commission. Yep. Oh, and then there's a bonus based on how well your team does, or yep. something. Correct. Okay. And then that that how good your quote unquote good your team does is like how much stuff they sell, or how does that work? Uh, sorry, I was coughing. Would Would you repeat that? Like how does like how how does the bonus work? Yeah, you so like, what, what you, is it based off of? So a base is a base, right? The bonus is usually in most sales organizations, the the systems engineers, the bonus is going to be directly uh, uh, correlative to the performance of the sales reps that you're working with, and you're usually working with either a few sellers or a handful of sellers. So the the, the average performance or the the aggregate performance of those sellers are really going to be uh, what what dictate how much percentage pay you're going to be going to get. I see. So if you have terrible salespeople, would that be very triggering? It, 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 it can be triggering 100%. <laughs> uh, and I definitely <laughs> do experience that periodically. But one of the nice things is it's still a partnership at the end of the day. You have the ability to make a difference in training your sellers so, so that they understand these solutions. And you have the ability to really make an impact because it isn't just a salesperson that's speaking with a customer. It's I I personally have the ability to interact and speak with the customers. And there's been more than, you know, more than a handful of times throughout my careers where I made the difference uh, on why the customers trusted me and they, they really made the purchase, not because of the seller, but because of me at the end of the day. I see. But also like if it goes the other way around, if you have good salespeople, it's also, it's very easy. It makes your jobs easier. Out, it definitely out can. And I would also say on the flip side, you can have a really good seller and a bad technical person. It can be just as hard, right? So it's a fine balance. There's no perfect recipe or anything like that. For me personally, even though I am more on the technology side, I actually have a really strong background in sales because I was a salesperson and I was actually quite good as a salesperson. So I can apply a lot of the things that I learned and I still learn in regards to sales methodology to my life. So even if my seller isn't as good and as strong, I have the ability to make a difference. Okay. That's, that's actually very interesting. I didn't know all that. I honestly thought you just installed routers. No, no. So the <laughs> Dude, that- like, for the longest time, I was like, when we, when we were roommates, Oh really? We had this, we had a bunch of routers. I was like, what does, what the heck does this guy? No. Really, so that's like, actually a dedicated routers. role. Those are usually service engineers uh, or post sales professionals that go in and install things. A lot of mine is architecture, design, showing off things before the sale is made. And then there are obviously engineers that are dedicated to the craft after the sales. Yeah. Been made. So you like pick the stuff, yep. your software, hardware, and then deal, these guys like go in and actually install it. Correct. And then so it requires then different like- skill sets. And I would also usually say, you know, uh, they're different personalities at the end of the day. Those, those are people probably that are not the most social uh, uh, they want to be kept to themselves. Talking with people probably drains them and stuff. Um, being able to be in the nitty gritty of the technology is ultimately what drives them. It, that's what they're passionate about. And that's what they're happy. And that's okay. Right. So that's one of the nice things, like I said, is when you work in these organizations, these large companies and, and, and whatnot, you have an opportunity to sort of choose the type of career that you want long term. 
Um, you're not really funneled into one specific thing. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we can, I think move on to the next section where like, I think we're already talking about it. Like what are the, some of the things that you like, don't like, and, um, you shouldn't become an engineer if you're certain type type of personality. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Let me ask your, let me answer that question probably in a different way. So what, what makes a person in my role really, really successful is one, a passion for the technology. If you don't have any passion for the technology, it's really going to be hard for you to learn new things. Um, the world is constantly changing. There's constantly new things coming out. Technology is part of that, right? So being able to keep up with the changes in the cybersecurity realm, being able to understand new technology, being able to understand the trajectory of where the world is going to be, where the industry is going to be, is really really valuable. So if you don't have a passion, you're just not going to be able to self-start your ability to consume new knowledge or being able to retain that information. So I think in order to be really successful in the role, you really need to have a passion for the technology. Second thing that probably is really, really valuable is being able to communicate and, uh, and talk with individuals or to a large group uh, effectively. So that means being able to be concise, not long-winded, being able to repeat information, but it's sounding unique every single time, uh, taking complex ideas or concepts and being able to bring it down to a down-to-earth level. So the example I always like to use is Try to explain this to uh, your grandmother who is completely tech illiterate. What does that actually look like? So uh, using analogies is always very, very, very helpful. But really good social and communication skills is really, really important. And like I said, you know, this job at the end, my job specifically at the end of the day is pre-sales. So having some semblance uh, of uh, sales acumen is always really, really helpful. So those are the things that usually, you know, really differentiate a really uh, an average sales uh, uh, sales uh, pre-sales engineer to uh, uh, the the really stellar pre-sales engineers okay that's that's um it kind of also relates to kind of the next topic i'll kind of talk about is like there are these people who are a good fit or a bad fit and then but also there are also also other external things that might hurt this industry potentially so what does like this industry look like in the future? I know like people who are in high school might be considering this role. Mm-hmm. Like, should they be worried about chat GPT or anything like that? Yeah, uh, I don't, you know, with the advent of AI, I don't really know what the future is gonna be, uh, 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 to be perfectly honest with you. Um, it's really easy to look at the super negative side of things, which is um, replace all salespeople, replace all pre-sales engineer, replace all engineers and everything like that. Automate the process, make it like Amazon. Uh, a business can go to our website, click on XYZ uh, and uh, purchase things, right? Um, but I do think, I, I do want to be a little bit more optimistic. I, I think at the end of the day, despite the value and efficiency that AI brings to the table, there's a lot more, there's a lot more to us as humans than just simply wanting a specific result, which is our problem being solved. It makes us feel better when we're talking to another individual and them reassuring us because of their confidence and and, and because of the exude that confidence, we can trust them and understanding that this solution is ultimately going to solve this problem or address that particular need. So the, the level of reassurance, that conversational back and forth, 
I think is really important in most transactions in general, especially when your job is on the line, right? A lot of these businesses, when they're purchasing solutions from us, it isn't the, you can't really view it as a business making that purchase. Yes, it is the business's money. It's their budget, but it's a person making the decision to purchase that solution at the end of the day. So it's a very human decision. And that's really important because their job is on the line. If they make a bad decision, they could be fired for it. Um, mm-hmm. So providing that, having that conversation with an individual, making them feel reassured, making them feel confident, making them feel trusted is really, really important. And I think because of that, we really probably won't see AI being impacted or anything like that. I will say in regards to the, at least the cybersecurity space, cybersecurity is going to be continuing, a, 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 a play a continued importance in our society. A lot of things are going digital. There are things going digital that we were not expecting, you know, 10 years ago. I still remember when net zero was around. I still remember when net zero was free. You know, we, we pay for What's internet that? now and we pay anywhere between 30 to 130 to $200 a month for internet, which is sort of crazy. I mean, I remember when the first iPhone was announced and we all thought that that was just another gimmicky device. Maybe a handful of people thought it, it was going to be world changing. And here we are today. And we're about to, you know, probably see iPhone 15, right? So I, I would say as more things go, uh, more things go digital, you need to be able to protect those digital assets and cybersecurity plays a really key uh, uh, part in that. So a little bit of a long-winded answer, but hopefully that, that illuminates things. No, 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 no. It's super interesting. It's super helpful because um, a person who is actually in the job is, has very different perspective. Um of like this whole AI. I mean, I think a lot of people are worried about it. Like even me um, sure. as someone who's like built sometimes designing the AI itself, but For sure. yeah, I'm not even, we're not even touching it right now. It's yeah. a lot, a lot of companies these days, they just like AI, AI. I mean, they're I not actually I, doing anything. Sure. But. I mean, when, when, when I think of a perspective of a C-level executive looking at ways to make, the business more efficient and save money. I think AI does make sense from a consideration, but when you start implementing AI for everything, you start realizing that you're really removing a lot of the human element and human touch component of it. And you can tell when things feel robotic, you can tell when something lacks human agency and human soul, and it makes that transaction and makes that relationship feel very, very simple, almost dead. Right. I think there I think there's a level of comfort in being able to speak with someone and having a relationship with that individual to make a really, really important decision. I think a really good example is um, doctors. Right. If you're going in and you're talking to someone about a problem you are facing, do you really want to input your problem and have an AI generate what the diagnosis is going to be? Or do you actually want to talk to someone who probably has background and history and experience and being able to deliver that, right? I think what AI does is it probably averages out the consistency of that experience, but you're really never going to get great or stellar service from an AI. You're really probably going to get average level service or below average service because the world is really complex and depending on where where you're implementing AI, you're usually going to end up getting a subpar product. Yeah, like I'm not gonna kind of don't want to like when I'm going to like a doctor, I don't want yeah, exactly. That's exactly what you said. I don't want I want like a human fixing my problems for certain things. Yep. So it looks like there's a lot of emotional aspect of 
being reassured, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, also, when things break, are they going to tell the AI and the AI going to come out and undo the screws? Yeah. Like, like, I mean, I we're, we're not at the point out. where an AI robot can touch my leg and through that touch understand, oh, okay, I know what's going on here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a doctor can touch you tangibly and because they're humans at the end of the day and because they have the experience and the know-how just by touching you they're like okay yeah i understand this like uh, a robot's not going to be able to do that at least not 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 today right maybe 20 years from now that could be a little bit of a difference but you know ai is something new it's definitely something to consider the danger of i i wish long term there would be more regulation surrounding ai especially in in the creative world um, like arts and crafts, but I would say long, I would say at the, my, my perspective on it is a little bit more optimistic and that humans are still required and the humanity element is still really, really important in the things that we do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. This is, I think this is a good question to like bring up to one of the doctors that's going to be on, like, I'm going to interview. Um, so I think they're a heart surgeon or something, but yeah, I wonder sure. like what they think about it. I mean, they're, a lot of them are kind of older, but so like they're probably retired, so they not, might not care. <laughs> but it's kind of good to have their perspective. Sure. Um, cool. I mean, that's all the questions I had. Do, do you have anything else for someone who's um, trying to get into this industry or trying to get a kickstart to become a pre-sales engineer or sales engineer? Yeah, I would say... You know, just because you dislike something or you dislike the notion of something in the very beginning, don't let that impede you from having an open mind and pursuing a career. I, like I said earlier, I never thought that sales would be a long-term role for me. I never thought that um, I would find my long-term career with sales as my starting point. But I went in with an open mind wanting to learn and figuring out how can I work with the, you know, the hand that I was dealt, so to speak. And that really helps me to be creative in figuring out a career path uh, uh, and get to where you want to be. I will also say that the, while the job is really important, uh, being able to build relationships and connections is really, really important. And then communicating with them really effectively. Um, I, I know we didn't necessarily talk about this earlier, one of my long-term career goals at my previous workplace was to be a manager of the pre-sales engineers. And I made it very clear uh, uh, to uh, my, uh, my boss and my boss's boss that this is something that I am looking at. And because I've effective that, uh, uh, communicated that effectively, in addition to obviously uh, putting in the work and effort to show that I'm a really strong individual performer, that I was considered for the role. And, you know, I, eventually I got the job. Um, I'm not that role currently at the moment because I don't, I'm not pursuing it, but it is one of those things where being able to have really strong relationships, being really good at the job and being able to communicate your wants and desires instead of assuming someone knows what your wants or desires are going to be is is really important in, in, you know, propelling you up towards the career ladder. Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, That's kind of all the questions I had. Um, Actually, one final one. Sure, sure. What's the work-life balance like? You know, it's not sure. 80 hours a week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would I mean, not assume. It's going to really vary from company to company. Some some companies will work you to the bone. And if you don't like that, you know, you're, you're free to leave and go find a different company. And that's totally okay. My work-life balance for the most part is 
when five o'clock hits, I worked, I, you know, I work eight to five. When five o'clock hits Monday through when Monday through Friday, I'm pretty much done. Right. I really try not to take any of the work with me. Um, and I, I, when I say try, I really don't to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I know a lot of CC level executives or, you know, senior directors and, and, and whatnot, they probably don't necessarily want to hear that. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I'll take important stuff to work with me uh, uh, and finish it afterward. But it's really important for me, especially as a remote worker, for me to be able to separate my professional life and, uh, 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 and my personal life. As much as I like my professional career and my professional life, I, I don't live to go to my job. I, I live to make the things that I'm doing outside of my job a reality and possible, right? For some people, that's family. Some people, that's love. For some people, that's you know pursuing a specific passion or, or hobby. So I think businesses need to understand that. And sometimes it's easy to not see. Uh, it's easy for some C level execs to not see it that way because there's several levels removed from that. Uh, but ignoring you know ignore ignoring those things, I think for my personal work life balance, I, I try not to carry a lot of the professional stuff over and, and have it bleed over to my personal. I see. So like your, your work life balance is pretty, pretty good. It's not like, yes, you're not, you're not like working 80 hours, like investment bankers. Correct. <laughs> but, I, you but, know, at one point in my, my, my work life balance was not so great. Mostly because even not because I was doing work outside of work hours, but the stress of the work carried and bled into, you know, my personal life. Right. So I when I was in the sales role, this is one of the reasons why I got out of it. Is while I was quite good at it, the stress the stress of the sales life bled into my personal life, and that's where the current role I'm in it's it's a little bit of a good middle ground where I can still apply my sales acumen, but talk more in regards to to the technology. So you're gonna find jobs, you're gonna transition one from one job to another because it's gonna be the better work life balance for you. There's no mm -hmm. there's no there's no perfect mathematical equation to to get to you to where you you're happy. You know, every person is different and you sort of need to know what you want and pursue that at the end of the day. I see. Okay. That's super good advice. Oh yeah. It looks like those like eat what you kill kind of jobs are very stressful. Like, you know, sure. it's, it's like zero or like it could be millions. Yeah. Like feast or for example, like for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or another, yeah, that's another way to say it. Like real estate agents, you know, mm -hmm. sale, tech sales, like, I know like people in tech sales who make millions of dollars or like I, I've heard people who make millions of dollars also like they can make zero dollars. <laughs> like a real estate yeah. agent could make zero dollars. I, mean, I think we live in a houses. world where, and I think this is the problem we're having with a lot of the younger generational people is we're in a hustle culture, right? And no one wants to be hustling all the time, but hustling is sort of how, uh, these organizations grow. Hustling is ultimately how you pr uh, uh, propel yourself. So while I'm definitely not um, I'm an advocate for the hustle culture, I do think periodically hustling does get you what you want because you are differentiated from the pack. Okay, cool, cool. All right, before we sign off, what is, do you recommend any books, movies to be, to help kind of learn about this, learn, learn, learn about this space a little bit better. Yeah. So I would say if you really want to understand more, more in regards to how to have really good conversations with people getting what you want, there's a book called radical candor that it's really designed for more leaders, but I think it's really good for individual contributor roles as well. 
because it helps you develop an understanding of how to communicate with individuals and get the, getting people to accomplish what you're wanting them to do in a professional and gentle manner, uh, while also being quite <laughs> candid in, in your feedback. Because um, sometimes it's easy to tell someone to F off, don't, go do X, Y, and Z. And even though you may be right, they may hate you for it. So how, how do we get people to do the things that we ultimately want them to do? And I think that's a really good book for that. Okay, awesome. I'll check it out, actually. Um, that's pretty much it, Simon. I don't have anything else. If you have any, do you have questions for me? No, um, I appreciate you giving me an opportunity to sort of speak about my professional career in history. And, you know, thanks for being a, a great interviewer. Sweet. Sweet. Well, that was a lot of wonderful information. Huge thanks again to Simon for joining us today. Just to recap, um, so a pre-sales systems engineer role is typically a mid-level role. So you're typically starting in a sales role, a customer-facing role on in the technical side of things um, before you jump over to this role. So it's more of a mid-level. So don't be discouraged. But educational requirements, they do prefer a bachelor's degree in a relevant field, which helps. So a relevant field would be computer science, IT, or engineering. However, a lot of employers do accept equivalent work ex experience in place of a degree. You need to have technical knowledge, so a strong understanding of the company's products or services and the technology stack they use. Um, you need to be proficient in relevant programming languages, networking protocols, and software applications. As, long, as well as being familiar with industry standard technologies and tools. Then down to the fun stuff, you need to have really great communication skills and sales and customer facing skills. So your communication skills are essential for the role essentially. You must be able to explain complex technical concepts in a clear and concise manner to non-technical audiences. You need to have strong presentation skills to deliver the product demonstrations and technical presentations. And you also need to be able to listen to the customer needs and provide solutions tailored to their requirements. Um, you will often work closely with the sales team in this role. So the ability to collaborate and build relationships is crucial. And also having a great understanding of the sales process and the ability to identify customer needs and propose appropriate solutions. So again, you're going to really need to have great listening skills and be able to problem solve based off of that. Um, and yeah, really aside from that, just having an in-depth knowledge of the company's products um, and the ability to stay up to date with product and update updates and industry trends are all things that will help you be successful in this role. One thing that was briefly mentioned was having technical certifications can also help, though not required. So it can really enhance your qualifications. So for example, certifications in networking, um, cloud services like AWS certified solutions architect or software development um, can be really valuable for gaining a, a, um, gaining a, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this, for trying to jump into this career. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so Simon. Would you be a pre-system sales engineer? Pre-sales engineer. I think it's very similar. Um, oh, pre-sales systems engineer. Mm -hmm. 
they're not i guess they are engineers but in a traditional sense i guess they're from, not from the tech tech industry yeah it's it's more it's it's more of a sales role yeah um but i think that's what they call it so but anyway it's yeah so it's the up. pre-sales systems engineer yeah. i'm pretty but sure they, i did they do, that in the outro yeah but they do need to know certain like high technical things highly technical things so but they're, but they're not programming they're not coding yeah. these themselves that's what i'm trying to say yeah so long story short they're salespeople and they need to know the technical aspects of these products that they're selling yeah. but they're not coding things yeah they're they work within the sales team with yeah like, in collaboration with and yeah I don't know if I do that. I'm not. I don't like sales. <laughs> <laughs> this again. This again. As Ashley don't like to talk to people as much. <laughs> yeah. I just. I would actually. I'll do this. I'll definitely do this. Yeah. One hundred percent. It's just sales is too stressful. You have to meet these quotas and deadlines, and things depend on it. And I know he has a base pay, but still, if you want more money, yeah. it's just it's just too much. So I would not. <laughs> I would put this into the cat. I, when I've been interviewing people, I've been trying to categorize certain jobs. And this job mm -hmm. is in the eat what you fish or eat what you kill category. Yeah. So that category is this sales, any sales role, I guess, potentially real estate agents. Um, mm -hmm. um, basically anything that the more you, you, get, you get paid as much as you work or much as you sell. And that's yeah. very common. Uh, yeah, that's just not my vibe. <laughs> but it's work hard, play hard, you know. Yeah. Salespeople I know work really hard yeah. for their money. Yeah, it'll be interesting that if I got into this, I would like to do it. Um, but he, this seems like it's more like a mid-level role. You don't like go into this immediately. Yeah. You have to do some sales. And had to learn like some cybersecurity product um, mm -hmm. level, slightly more technical things to help your customers. And yeah, I'll definitely do it. It pays well. You had to talk to people all day about their problems. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it's right up your alley. Um, and yeah, it sounds interesting in general. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, good for all you salespeople out there. It is not the world I was made for. But that is a wrap on this episode of Beyond the Paychecks. A huge thanks to Simon for opening up and sharing his journey with us. Before we head out, we just want to say thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. You guys are the reason we do this podcast. Your curiosity and support keeps us going. If you enjoyed today's episode and want more stories from all sorts of industries, hit the subscribe button, leave a review, and spread the word about the show to your friends. The main takeaway here is that every career path is one of a kind, and we hope these chats spark inspiration and give you cool insights into the diverse world of work. Till next time, stay curious, stay motivated, and keep exploring the awesome stories of everyday people. I'm Ashley. And I'm Peter, and thank you for listening to the Beyond the Paychecks. 